Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. So the reason I wanted to check in with you before we actually um, do the podcast is because I did want this to be the week where I talked about Nazis. Um, not in any great depth, but I did kind of want to go, hey. We can, we can briefly talk about Nazis. Yes, I have watched enough British TV over the years. <laughs> Okay. I Those just Nazi wanna... fellows, then no good. Yeah, I mean, I figured you were anti. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't checking in in case you were. Now you do need to make your feelings on Nazis clear to me ahead of time. <laughs> Fucking lockdown, right? Let's let's wheel that back and pretend we didn't have any pre-discussion. <laughs> hey, Justin, how's it going? Oh, hey. <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, to you in ages. It's been an eternity, and I haven't even been thinking about Nazis. Um, <laughs> Who said Nazis? No one. Exactly. We will get to that a bit later. We will be talking about white supremacy and how COVID has been feeding into the alt right and all that joyous, joyous shit. Later on, after we've been nice and happy for a bit, because <laughs> we need to have something to ruin. Uh, when we bring up the news segment. Uh, so, how have you been? How's your week going? I mean, it was fine until the... No, no. Uh, my week was A-OK. Are you still without streaming services? Yes. Tomorrow it comes back. And Ooh. the first thing I'm going to watch is the new season of Discovery of Witches. I will be taking no further questions on this topic. Thank you for your time. You're going to have, like, WandaVision coming up. You're going to have... Yeah, you've got a Mike. whole bunch of things. It's fine. It's fine. I feel nothing. It's fine. I mean, yeah, it's 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 actually it's it's actually really bad and not good. And you know, it's super easy to go on Tumblr and not have anything, you know, secrets revealed. I don't know what the big reveal is already. <laughs> there are no big reveals in that show um, that I know of. Uh, so don't don't tell yeah, me. Dead. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Huge Age of Ultron spoilers there. I feel like you should have said something before that one. No, I just wanted you, I just wanted you to experience the same shock that I did. No, I, I mean it, it's it's been fine. I uh, I've been watching fucking Midsummer Murders on ABC because I don't nice. have my usual junk trash white noise shows. Well, they're not trash. They're just shows I've watched a lot. You know, I haven't got Brooklyn Nine Nine to put on in the background. I've got Midsummer Murders with the theremin. Fine. Everything's fine. That's going into the uh, new supercut mix that I'm doing of all of our news themes. Definitely <laughs> that that little theremin intro. Yeah, I should do the news theme as though I were a theremin today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. What? Um, have you watched any uh, staged? The... Watched both seasons of staged. Nice, nice. I just finished that this morning uh, while doing the dishes. Light. It's so good. It's like a better version of this podcast. <laughs> On the Friday night, we went to San Francisco and we were able to dance a little bit at the end. And it was very cool because, guys, dancing's back. And San Francisco were a very good band to watch. So. Dancing is back. As at the time of recording, we are at a very critical turning point uh, because in Adelaide, dancing was brought back on Friday at the end of the first second week of fringe fringe has been going for a little bit i think it's the first full week of fringe mm-hmm. that we're at the end of although it won't be by the time this comes out so it doesn't matter time it's a flat circle 
time is an illusion. But just to place you in history, when we look back on this as a record for the ages, dancing came back in Adelaide on Friday night. Um, I danced, and my first dance of the COVID era was at the uh, SA Museum. I kind of, isn't the museum cool? I kind of want all events to be held there because we went there once for like a fundraiser thing or something. And we were in the part yeah. where it has all the like taxidermy animals. And I've never been at a party where I was so convinced that a supervillain was about to bust in. You know, I was like, we are going <laughs> to a Batman party. Anybody I could stop on the street. I was just like, you don't understand. It belongs in a museum. Well, okay, so you have a very clear vision of what it was like to attend their Night Lab, which is the fringe show that I saw Friday with uh, with Ellen. We went there for a, a night event, which was all about uh, magic and mysteries. And we, we got to go into the mummy room by torchlight. <sighs> Wait, did it have elements of problem solving? Like, were there riddles and stuff? There were not as many riddles as I hoped for, no. Although I think they have a program for kids where you can download an app and then there is a puzzle solving component of that. There are puzzles to be solved around the museum. I know Tiff always wants us to do do um, puzzle things in the museum. I think <laughs> if I actually participated, it would be very fun. But at first glance, I don't like puzzles and I don't like puzzles under pressure. So I can't imagine that that would be fun for me. <laughs> at the time, it'd probably be delightful, but... It's a hard sell for me. We have lots of puzzles in this podcast. There's actually um, an ARG in this episode. See if you can solve it. <laughs> you know what a puzzle is? Just, it's just a type of lying. <laughs> but a clever kind of lying, in a way. Oh, that makes it okay then. No, it doesn't. Still a we lie. Can't go back. We can't <laughs> get back on the cryptic crossword stuff. We have to keep moving. <laughs> We're retreading old ground. Say what you mean. Anyway, so you had a really fun um, fringe show in the museum. How freaking cool is a museum at night? Did you at any point feel like you were about to get stopped by Batman? Because it felt like maybe there were elements of crime vibes to this. Well, yeah, I mean, there were they put spider webs on the staircases and we did have cocktails. So I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know if it felt like villain lair or... Uh, just a Bruce Wayne like fancy party. It felt a bit like both. Um, my thing, I definitely felt like uh, someone was going to come and snatch off my fake jewelry. And be like, ah, it would have been a very <laughs> disappointing hole for them. We were all uni students. Nobody wearing actual jewels. The other attendees of that <laughs> that party might have been. We maybe shouldn't have been at that party. I can't even remember what it was for now. <laughs> I mean, there were people doing fortune telling and there were people sketching <laughs> skulls and stuff. Ellen would have loved that. Oh, yeah. Uh, surprise. This was Ellen's whole deal. Um, <laughs> do you want to do a news theme? News. News. I'm going to change that a little bit for copyright purposes. News. news. Now that, now it's legally distinct from the original. Yeah. We're, the earlier version of it, um, which it was, was just it was startlingly... It was so good. It was actually concerningly accurate. So the version you hear in the edit will not be anything like the actual um, Midsummer Murders theme. The thing that I didn't mention about this episode of the podcast that we are currently recording 
um, is that there are two different things that I wanted to do with it. One was talk about Nazis, mm-hmm. um, or specifically Nazis in the context of the rise of alt-right conspiracy theories. Um, but the other thing was I wanted to mend some old, uh, some old wounds on the podcast and I wanted to finally play the second half of Ellen's interview <laughs> from August. For those of you that are new to the the podcast, we basically, we recorded from April through to August of last year. And then I had to do other stuff for my grad cert. It just got too busy for, for me to put together. And so we went on break. We've come back. This is officially season two, episode seven of the podcast. So here's a little bit of what we were talking about back in August last year. I'm Ellen and I'm a psychology graduate. I'm not at all qualified for anything, but I've been reading a lot of articles around coronavirus and I was within your house, so it was easy to interview me. What do you have for us today? Well, a lot. So buckle in. (laughs) I wanted to have a bit of a conversation about the messaging around coronavirus and then how people may digest that information in different ways. Yeah, cool. Early on in the pandemic, there were missteps by key health authorities who seemed to be underestimating the seriousness of the virus. And it's been suggested that this may have set things off on the wrong foot and legitimized the portrayal of science as an inadequate way to resolve the situation. Ultimately, experts making mistakes are still the experts. But the saturated and rapidly changing state of contemporary media makes it difficult for the government to debunk misinformation campaigns as they are occurring. Accurate information that is viewed as reliable and is communicated clearly to the public is important because it encourages people towards the behaviours that keep them safe and allows them to manage risk. There is an increasing need for people to be informed of how to identify misinformation, um, particularly digitally. So having that media or digital literacy as well as health literacy. So Ellen was clearly spitting straight fire, but essentially I decided we've been on break for too long. This is just going to have to be lost to the mists of time. Then I saw an article in January. I know you know about this story because I basically said, I'm really sorry. I think we have to talk about this on the show (laughs) when it actually happened. Um, But basically there were a bunch of uh, neo-Nazis that go by the name Antipodean Resistance, Antipodean just meaning Australian, and they have been gathering in the Grampians and throwing Nazi salutes and trying to intimidate local people. They've been sticking stickers on stuff that say Australia for the white man and a bunch of other cool slogans like that. This sadly is not the first time this has happened. Uh, in the Grampians, people that identified as part of the same group. Uh, I'm not sure if they were the same people, but people that also went by the same name, the Antipodean Resistance. I feel a bit weird saying, sorry, I will get to what I'm saying, but I feel a bit weird saying the name of the group because a lot of the time these are people that are being provocative so that they can get their name out there, so that they can get attention and draw people to their cause. And part of like talking about them as like, oh, they're Nazis and they're wacky kind of serves to prevent de-radicalization in the same way that like talking about how weird Scientology is actually helps people in Scientology keep people in the uh, Sumi Scientology, but <laughs> you other it to the point where there's no path back. Right, right. And so I'm trying to. This is a very tight line to walk. The reason I'm raising this is because um, these are really opportunistic people, as evidenced by the last time they were really publicly active, which was in the lead up to the same-sex marriage postal vote. 
the last time that their gathering and the Grampians hit local news stories, same group gathering in the same place, was in 2017, right ahead of the postal vote, where they were saying that gay marriage would legitimise pedophilia and we would see people pushing laws to have pedophilia be publicly accepted, you know, as happened in the last four years. Yeah, they're just very opportunistic, shitty people, basically. Feel free to interrupt me at any point here because this is going to um, suck for a bit. So if you if you would like to um, do like uh, like a funny joke, maybe periodically, like do you have one now? Do you have like a just like a funny joke about Nazis? I have like a weird aside. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I like the weird asides. So the place that I live in is, um, let's call it an up and coming area. The path that I walk to to my bus is... Um, pretty industrial but because it is a little bit up and coming they have like nice paid for graffiti you know what i'm talking about like where it's like yep. not just your mom jokes and stuff like, that. <laughs> like yeah it's big beautiful planned um graffiti spray art i guess i don't know whatever <laughs> Gra- graffiti is not contrary to art well, exactly, but I'm like, well, if a council pays for it, it feels... I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it's not vandalism, but it is graffiti. Yes. Let's go with that. Mm. So I'm walking along, and I've told you about some of the, the stickers and things I see on my walk, like there's um, Health Over Wealth. It's a nice one. There's a Dead Men Don't Cat Call, which is probably slightly not okay, but still, it's it's. I did have a giggle. Like, but technically accurate. <laughs> Yeah, but and there's like a pirate symbol, so it's like dead men tell no tales, so it's like a little, little jokey. So I don't think that the person that created that sticker is actually going to kill anyone. Which is helpful. This is an anti-murder podcast. So you know, there's vibes going on. There's a there's I guess graffiti on top of the planned graffiti. Yeah. And um, one just said punch a Nazi, which all right, Indiana Jones did it. I'm not going to. But that's because I'm bad at punching. And also unlikely to mix in the same social circles as Nazis. Well, I'd have to find one and then punch one, and I don't think it'd be a very efficient method either way. Anyway, um, underneath, someone has written, Lel, which, whoa, blast from the path, Lel, you wouldn't. And it has just gone on from there, like bathroom graffiti. But I think at last check, the non-Nazi was winning. That is that is a good thing. I am pro-Nazi punching. I will say it here. I will say it now. But I think you should check that someone's a Nazi first. That's just my whole... That's my hot take. But uh, we will get to radicalization and de-radicalization <laughs> further, <laughs> further along in yes, this chat. I, I like to think that some, you know, 15-year-old dickhead has found himself very brave identifying anonymously as a Nazi on a wall without actually understanding the context of that. Right. And is just getting a verbal beat down by someone else with a sharpie. That's how I like to interpret it. But hey, uh, it's probably a glass half full sort of perspective sometimes. <laughs> anyway, you were saying about the Grampians? Uh, the thing that I wanted to get to with all this, A, I'm going to cut in some very wise things that Ellen said here, just like mm-hmm. roughly here. The internet is loaded with junk. But part of the... One of the things that was predicted would happen is basically because this is something that is, you know, unprecedented, this big virus that has affected um, so many people in the world, there have been so many conspiracy theories around it Mm. that have felt more legitimate. Neo-Nazis are just one group of people 
and a particularly scary group of people because of the historical precedent that benefit from conspiracy theories and particularly in in their case conspiracy theories around how the existing state can't resolve things can't address things um you know people can't handle stuff it is not surprising that these people were most active during the victorian lockdown like right at the end of that basically because this is like peak people being angry at the australian government right is like Mm. september um and people in especially in victoria in like august september being like really really mad there's an article in the conversation uh coronavirus and conspiracies how the far right is exploiting the pandemic where they talk about claims that the virus is just a hoax engineered by jewish elites there's obviously uh, also, the Trump language around the China virus and how, you know, this could be a bioweapon and all of these sorts of ideas. Um, the, other, the other elephant in the room, the QAnon, where they're like, ah, oh, Trump will right. have sweeping reforms when he gets in and people being genuinely shocked when Biden actually won and then was inaugurated despite <clears throat> some stuff. A violent attempt to overthrow the US government? Yeah. Yeah, that's That whole thing. Yeah, but uh, I was reading this thing the other day that was talking about how conspiracy theorists will move the goalposts for their leaders. Right. So Donald Trump is supposed to be one of the heroes in the QAnon um, pantheon. Conspiracy movement. Yes, they firmly believed that he would come into power and, and depose evil evil pedophile rings. It's really it's one of their favorite bugbears. They kind of protect the children, don't you know? Right. And um, because he didn't. Then they switch it and they say, well, um, it'll be this date. This is the actual one. And when that won't happen, they'll move it again. And it'll never be any of their actors' fault. They'll just keep moving it, keep switching their ideals. They'll just keep switching the argument. The argument always boils down to it's somebody else's fault and we should all hurt them horribly. Especially in the US, there was a big void of people even attempting to give a clear sense of direction. We're starting to get a bit of that now under the um, Biden administration. They've started to actually talk publicly about their plans to, you know, distribute vaccines and those sorts of things. But, you know, last year there was really no common way forward where we get our information is obviously very important if there is insufficient or conflicting information coming through at a higher level it's pretty fair that people will turn to other sources it's such a large scale event with such a complex narrative around it it's hard to make sense of it especially because we're able to see how it's affecting people globally one article i read described this as the first pandemic that is live streamed which i thought was a fun way to describe it (laughs) Yeah, there weren't too many people tweeting about the Black Plague. (laughs) God, it would have been fun though, hey. Um, So in a country close to a country close to this podcast, 1,718 participants in Slovenia were surveyed regarding the information around coronavirus. So in their case, the authors found that higher adherence to self-protective measures around the virus were linked to perceived credibility in the information that the respondents received. So the highest levels of trust were reported for medical professionals and scientists, while mass media, social media and officials were not regarded as credibly. An Australian poll conducted by The Guardian in mid-March found that of 1,034 respondents, 64% felt informed about the evolving health crisis. About half of the respondents felt the information provided by the government was clear and consistent, which isn't great. 
56 responded that they trusted the government to provide honest and objective information about the COVID-19 outbreak, compared to a 35% trust ranking for the media overall. And just anecdotally, most of the people that I know get their news online, I think. It has that benefit of being quick and adaptable to any new information that's released, which has been super beneficial when the virus has been at its worst and you just get to have more and more updates freaking you out. An overexposure to negative news has been found to be detrimental to people's health. This has been seen in the wake of heavily broadcasted disasters such as 9-11. There is a danger in trying to gauge the coronavirus situation based on rapid and unstable updates to statistics. People tend to want to make sense of things they've read, and in doing so, they consume more and more media. It's sort of looking for environmental reasons to explain the internal anxiety experienced in the body, and it just means you're consuming a lot of bad stuff. I guess seeing it as trying to address anxiety by justifying it with reference to external factors is a really interesting approach. The idea that what you're really doing, especially when you're not trying to look up a specific fact, but you're just trying to answer the general question, what's true? What's going on? Mm. Yeah. If you dig and you find nothing, even though you're feeling very stressed, you you mm. feel like you must have missed it. You haven't, yeah. you haven't found the story that's going to tell you. So then you keep pushing and then you go, aha, I've found the thing that's going to make me stressed. That feels more right to me. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that, feels, that feels more accurate. That's more correct to my experience of the world because it's very stressful. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I definitely see how that could have a negative impact even if your intention is good and driven towards trying to find true and accurate news. You're just going to come across, stumble across a lot of horrible stories on your way to something as well when you're looking into coronavirus. A lot of far-right channels have increased in popularity. Um, in March 2020, Telegram channels, I'm quoting this off of the conversation article, in March 2020, Telegram channels associated with white supremacy and racism attracted an influx of over 6,000 users. And one channel which was dedicated to the discussion of coronavirus grew by 800%. Now, you know, obviously you would expect a coronavirus talk subject to increase a lot in March um, mm -hmm. on any platform, on any site. But the number of people that are racing to, to Telegram, which is... Um, I, I will let the article talk about Telegram, and I won't talk about Telegram. Um, they've said it often amplifies disinformation. There we go. I won't say anything about Telegram. Because they'll sue me. Yeah. But yeah, it's this it's this narrative around elites. And it's it's telling that this particular group, when we talk about the Antipodean resistance, uh, who who openly identify as Nazis, um, their website had hidden text saying Hitler did nothing wrong, right? Like these are these are these are Nazis. I, I'm not I'm not using Nazi as a catch-all word. These are Nazis. The other thing you can touch on is that the wealth disparity is probably um, playing into this. When you talk about elites, maybe 50 years ago, it didn't mean so much. But when you talk about elites now, it's not like we invented the wealth disparity. That's certainly present. And uh, right. wage stagnation has had links to a rise in extremism. The uh, Adelaide University put out a, a book or a really good paper on it about a year ago, which is talking about. I'm sorry, I don't know which one you're referring to. Oh, you don't know this random this random paper? I've just remembered. Yeah, um, don't worry. I'll see if I can find it. You can link to it. But um, uh, yeah, basically, wage stagnation. Um, that big 
big old gap between the haves and the have-nots. It doesn't discourage extremism. Yeah. Um, and I've done some studies that show that if you have a wealthy population next to a poorer population, um, crime does rise, and it's not necessarily inherent because poor people are you know, criminals. It's because they can see someone else having more stuff and having no logical reason for it necessarily. Yeah. That combined with just the enforced isolation, what are you going to do? You're going to spend time on your computer, you're not making any money, and suddenly you're a white supremacist. Yeah, or you um, take game stonks to the moon. Those are the two different <laughs> directions. you got a bunch of pathways. Yeah. You can rewatch all of Gossip Girl. <laughs> yeah, I guess that it's telling that, that it's partially exploiting the crisis. Um, the thing I was going to say earlier was that the Antipodean resistance were talking about the idea of pedophilia infiltrating society and becoming legitimized in 2017 around the gay marriage debate because they understand that that is a much, you know, more accessible inroad, even though it's very conspiracy theory-y, um, than talking about, you know, advocating genocide. Baby steps, like much cult behavior. Right. You've got to work up to the uh, mass weddings, mass suicides dealios, you know? It's it's difficult to know how to how to proceed, but I guess it, it highlights the importance of getting out effective communication, especially as people feel more threatened than perhaps, you know, they, they have certainly for a few years, let's say, um, for, certainly for, for a long time, people have not felt this threatened. Um, so the following advice I would say is not recommended for people who do a podcast about coronavirus, say. Hypothetically. <laughs> if you yeah. do out there uh, and you make a <laughs> podcast we can do promo for promo let him know yeah get into my dms anyway sorry from the majority of what i've read or heard around covid19 anxiety i think that many many psychologists would recommend minimizing time spent on social media or looking at coronavirus news because of how detrimental it can be to health with more time spent at home as well it seems like people are engaging more heavily with media people obviously have their own individual coping strategies but one of the functional suggestions for coping is to control out the things that you don't need to be paying attention to in terms of media. What I did personally at the start of the pandemic was not good. I was continually checking the ABC's lives news stream when <laughs> realistically checking once at the end of the day is a lot healthier and it isn't constantly focusing on that anxiety around coronavirus. In terms of the practical information that I need as well, there aren't really changes that can't wait until later that same day. Another area where social media is critiqued is that it is often knocked for being an arena where false news is disseminated most often. I found um, one cute 2019 study by UK researchers who reported that 40% of news sharers online admitted to sharing inaccurate or false news, and a little over half recalled coming across news in the previous month they had thought was not entirely accurate. They also found that the large majority of those surveyed would not correct those they had seen post inaccurate news. I would say that that's because the internet is loaded with junk. And if you're spending your time trying to address wild things that people have posted, that's going to be a lot of your time. It is. It is a lot of my time. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I do when I'm specific. not very well liked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> but um I guess we should. Uh, and widespread digital misinformation is a challenge to accurate health messaging. There have been instances of text messaging or phone campaigns that have deliberately mimicked 
the appearance of health messaging from appropriate channels to spread misinformation and to spread wrong medical advice about coronavirus specifically. The misinformation coming through about COVID-19 has kind of covered a spectrum of problematic, although in some cases um, this has been less intentional misinformation and more inadequate information. For example, there is proven evidence of the efficacy of certain masks in restricting the respiratory droplets of the mask wearer, but mixed findings about other ideas that have spread in relation to masks and different types of masks. Another big one is the ongoing discussion, <laughs> somehow ongoing discussion around hydroxychloroquine. Hey, got it in one. Which I do know how to pronounce. <laughs> hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. And its viability as a treatment, with it being presented as a viable treatment to coronavirus prior to any scientific studies having taken place. It's tricky to know how to handle it when it's online. Removing something from a site only does so much if people continue to discuss it. Something that is suggested to combat misinformation is direct engagement with communities that disseminate incorrect information around coronavirus to kind of unpack why they are sharing this, what their underlying issues are, and whether these things can be addressed. This is also something that I have heard in relation to conspiracy theories or believers in conspiracy theories. Namely, that it's not advantageous to just yell that someone's beliefs are wrong or potentially have that content removed, particularly as it may feed into their particular conspiracies. Those who believe in conspiracy can boost each other in their beliefs and develop their own ways of understanding and own lexicon to communicate, which can make it hard to challenge them without properly understanding. Conversations with those that hold conspiracies at their level are more likely to encourage change, although this is still very hard to achieve. I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I was being a bit tongue-in-cheek earlier by saying that, you know, I, I go around and I call people out on Facebook and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, presumably, yes. like, I, I have a lot of friends that, share scientific articles a fair bit. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of them have formal education in the areas they're talking about. They're, they're talking from that perspective. And so correcting them on that feels right because they're people that you would expect to have the right information. I wouldn't necessarily yes. suggest correcting someone like the way I would suggest correcting someone that I went to uni with is very different to the way I would correct my aunts or something like yeah. that. Yeah, And I think engaging with people on a personal level, especially if it's someone that you're related to or that your your relationship is not necessarily one where you can offer criticism so easily, you don't have to do it in that public space. You can message someone privately and you can have that conversation one-on-one. -on -one. If you're engaging with someone that's spreading active misinformation, it may be better to have that conversation in public, not for their benefit, but for the benefit of anyone else that sees it. You're doing that performatively for, for everyone else, not necessarily for that person. But if it's something that is innocuous and just wrong, mm. just say, hey, I don't know if you have actually seen it, but there's these other pieces of information you may not have considered. Yeah. Here's some links. Yeah. You know. And it's, it's important because conspiratorial thinking is one facet of why people don't comply with social distancing requirements. It's been coming up a lot lately with coronavirus. I'm always surprised at how quickly people can assume that a system that isn't working out for them is because of uh, an evil actor within it is persecuting them. Right. And it's, it's always really, really difficult when you don't know the inner workings of a system, like, like a government, like a hospital, like a virus. It's always a lot easier for your brain to latch on to this person, this actor, these actors who are evil and who are persecuting you. 
than to say this body is an unfeeling group of people and computer systems or, you know, a virus that we don't know how to predict it yet and it's it's random. We'd much rather have a person that we could say they're doing this to me and it happens to completely rational people faster than you'd think. And I guess the scary thing here is, absolutely, I think the scary thing here is that conspiracy theories are something that they they work in part because they prey on how our brain naturally tries to look for patterns in information, tries to find best explanations uh, and, and fit them to, to data. The thing that's really concerning here is the exploitation of those theories to push a particular agenda. Because if it's just something that's filling space, if it's just... I don't know what I'm talking about, so, you know, I'm going to think, um, actually, maybe these numbers are wrong. That's, I, this is, this might be a particularly scandalous thing to say, but I don't actually think there's an inherent problem with going, this feels a bit fuzzy, right? This doesn't feel accurate or something like that. But when you apply a theory to it, and especially when you apply a theory to it that is based around a political agenda then you are taking the thing that should be getting you to ask questions and instead answering it with, uh, you know, this this whole complete model that then once you're in, it's, you know, there's no way that evidence can falsify it because it was specifically constructed to not actually require evidence. And um, Justin, are you arguing for a rigorous scientific method on your science podcast? I guess the scandalous thing that I'm proposing is it's not bad to ask questions, it's bad to answer them cheaply. You know what all this shit has done, Justin? It's made me really, really mad at very special agent Fox Mulder from the X-Files. I was about to bring up the X-Files a couple of minutes ago. (laughs) It's so infuriating because we were at this nice safe moment in time where you could say conspiracy theories and aliens and it's fun and what if it does exist? But, you know, it it doesn't. Scully's right there fact-checking him, kicking him down like the total babe that she is. And now you even see it in the movies and the other stuff after 9-11. You're like, oh, could you fucking not? And now I'm just sitting there going, everybody that grew up with this guy making making conspiracy theories sound so cool with his fucking good education and his handsome face. I'm like, no, okay, <laughs> no, we should we should all bow down to Dana Scully, the most ah uh, the shit she had to put up with. Anyway, I'm cool. What I think another thing is that the the X Files um was talking about um conspiracy theories it it was based around conspiracy theories that genuinely existed and took off very very prominently on the internet like the reason that the show is talking about you know deep state operatives and finding links between all of these different avenues is because the writers of the show were reading web forums where people were tying together things that had never been tied together before. I mean, they built it into the show with the the lone gunman. Right. They were internet nerds who were savvier than anybody else. And you're like... And that's based around the internet's proclivity for sharing conspiracy theories, which is a great premise for a TV show, but it shows that the X-Files, the most you know, popular 
bullshit conspiracy theory show in the world was inherently so conscious of how the internet is is really good at sharing this stuff and and you know yes we've changed a bit now we use single social media sites rather than lots of disparate forums but the conversations happening on those social media sites are surprisingly similar um and it's it's about it, it plays on the same stuff that those alien conspiracy theories were playing on in the in the 90s you know the the idea that there is a crisis that is observable underlying behind that is a crisis that is not observable um and no one can explain it um you know the truth is out there so what we have to do is you know find these newspaper clippings and ram them into each other at high velocity and hope that what comes out of that is a a legitimate theory one meta-analysis that investigated the predictors of conspiracy beliefs revealed that fear and anxiety were positive predictors of these beliefs, as well as a need to understand the complex world, a need to feel in control, and a need to feel that one's situation is unique, um, which are all fairly obvious components in why it's so relevant in the pandemic. Yeah. People with a high level of education also tend to be less likely to believe in conspiracy theories, potentially because of the critical thinking that is taught in higher education. There may also be a greater understanding of research and of identifying the biases in misinformation, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> that just speaks to the fact that critical thinking should be taught earlier. Yeah. That you shouldn't have to go through tertiary education to understand critical consumption, especially of, of media, but also construction of formal formal and informal argument and all of those sorts of principles. But again, Definitely. I'm a philosophy major. <laughs> I have some vested interests here that I will disclose <laughs> in the spirit of good debate. At a later date. I yeah. Mean, no, uh, somehow I managed to find myself on your side. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Sorry, yes, rounding off um, and to tie it back in with why clear and accurate information is important in reaching people, I wanted to talk a bit about an article um, that I saw making the rounds of social media recently or possibly a couple weeks ago, depending on when this is released. I saw it on Instagram and I got that warm, fuzzy feeling of being in the right before I realized that I didn't actually like the, the what was posted super much. Um, so what I saw was a screenshot of an article entitled Poor Social Distancing Linked to Lower Intelligence. Right. We talked a bit about this article, so I can't pretend like you don't know what the article is. We <laughs> have privately discussed this, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> no, we record all our conversations. You just don't hear them. For the uninitiated, which is everyone but us two, <laughs> what is the problem or what is the central premise of this article? So the researchers surveyed 850 US residents about their social distancing compliance in the two weeks following the national emergency declaration. So that was in mid-March. Um, the researchers assessed working memory, personality, mood and fluid intelligence as well. They didn't find relationships to mood, education, personality or income levels, but they did find that individual differences in working memory correlated to social distancing compliance. The authors suggested that the greater compliance in participants with higher working memory could be attributed to a greater awareness of benefits over costs. So it depends on the ability for individuals to consider many pieces of information in their working memory, some of which may conflict, in order to determine the appropriate cost-benefit analysis of social distancing. 
So this is just one study, but I think there's an important element there around conflicting information. If a person struggles with reasoning, it's even more important that the messaging that is coming through is coming through clearly. As we have heard a little bit, in America particularly, the information that has been coming through has been more than conflicting from, I've said on my notes, numerous political notables. Uh, so there are a lot of people that are involved in American politics that have said some pretty uh, controversial things that don't exactly align with each other. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to note, again, we're not going into American politics for too long mm. here or I will, um, my head will explode. But um, I'm even less equipped to be talking about politics than I am everything else I've been saying. No, no, you've done the research. People closer to it than me have been noting that the government focus in the US seems to have turned from COVID to more of a focus on the election as a priority. I would say that the important thing to note with regard to America is that it's not just Trump. Yes. Because he represents so much of the media space. Domestically in America and especially internationally here, we kind of get the sense that Trump is is the is the silly funny man that says all the ridiculous things when in fact there are a great number of people that for a wide number of reasons a lot of them very endemic to the the american concept of liberty and all of these other sorts of things there are lots of conspiracies that are distinct from one another and and compounding and conflicting that yeah. undermine the ability to rationally approach the virus yeah yeah and it's not it's not unique to America as well. One big thing I think is about schools. So I think a lot of countries have had a lot of conflicting messages about schools and about, you know, the concept of kids being able to catch coronavirus. Right. That's that's something that teachers all over the place have been saying these things don't line up that you're saying stay home, but you're saying schools remain open. To be completely transparent here, I'm not entirely sure what the prevailing wisdom is. I yeah, know th and I think that's part of it. That's part of the reason why it's so hard. Yeah, me personally. Um, I, <laughs> I caused it. <laughs> Justin, you're not knowing. You should know everything. No, but I, I believe that there there is conflicting information because kids have become sick with the virus. But it seems like they do not get it as much. Yeah, there is a much lower rate of infection. I believe the majority of cases involving kids have been from direct family members with whom they've had close contact. The yeah. chance of kid-to-kid -kid transmission, I believe mm. that's the formal scientific term, is low. But a lot of these are quite complex arguments, and especially mm. if this is a virus we still don't know everything about, especially when it comes to the longer-term impacts. There's a certain amount of conflicting that is going to happen because things change and things aren't always clear. I think it's just trying to minimise that and trying to have the conflicting information not being things that are already proven. People have not felt this threatened for a long time, and we need to be very careful about that because the vaccine rollout has just started in Australia, uh, which Yay! is awesome. It's really, really cool. I'm so excited. Um, we've started to see people get vaccinated. Uh, it's it's very cool. Professor Spurrier getting the jab, still looking perf. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna have. So we've we've already had. I know it's wrong to comment on a on a political figures. Um... Uh, physical appearance but she is nailing it though like tens across the board what a babe i think she is rocking her style she is accessorating masks with outfits she's doing very well Sad. in the prof we trust she's living large she's <laughs> balling out and balling out is what we need that is the way we beat nazis 
Um, so the Pfizer vaccine is what's started to be rolled out so far. That's um, and that's one, the one eh? that we, yeah. So Pfizer, um, is the one that we can, uh, we can make here, um, and needs to be refrigerated cold, but the, the rollout is going to increase in speed. Um, it's going to accelerate, uh, because we've had our first 300,000 doses of AstraZeneca, arrive um and so that rollout is starting on the 8th of march it probably will have started by the time this comes out that's all that's all landed in sydney it will then be uh, uh distributed around australia we expect to receive i'm i'm reading this from the guardian we expect to receive 1.2 million doses of astrazeneca in australia before their partner company starts beginning to produce doses from late march so we're importing them for now, and then we'll be manufacturing them as of the end of March. Um, and they're hoping that 50 million doses will be produced here. So 1.2 million being imported, um, of which 300,000 have arrived, 50 million due to arrive in late March. How good. Well done, Australia. Yeah, we're doing all right. Um, so, yeah, the, the main thing that needs to happen is uh, they need to be batch tested by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, uh, so that's going to happen over the week and then the week after rollout. So it's, uh, it's a good time, uh, a wonderful time, just as the, I guess by default, the world's biggest fringe festival is uh, happening in Adelaide. <laughs> hey, we're the second biggest when the world's normal. We're still doing all right. We are. Got, but, a, rep, uh, got a rep for the city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Edinburgh, hopefully, um, the vaccine rollout goes well enough that that can take place later this year, but we will see how we go. We've got the vaccine coming. we got dancing coming back. we got the fringe happening. Sorry, I'm just trying to make myself happy after all the Nazi talk. No, it's a great, it's a great time to not be a Nazi. I hope this isn't like a, like a, it's recently, right? And again, another classic Darcy aside. Recently, um, I got a little tipsy with a friend and we were talking about her boy trouble. And I was like, my good friend, you, you need to leave that person. They are obviously in love with you and it's not getting any better. No matter how many times you put the hard word to him, he's not going to stop falling in love with you. Don't do this. And she was like, no, I think it'll be fine. And then we smash cut too. And I get to do my favorite, my favorite thing in the world, which is like, hey, remember when I told you to mark that thing that I said earlier because it would come back to bite you? Yeah, this is this time where you're showing me, oh, my God, look at these messages. Yeah, 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 yeah. I predicted this very accurately. And uh, so hopefully this episode won't be a moment where you or I can be like, I remember when we were really happy. Let's note that time. (laughs) No, I don't think that's going to be. I I think it's going to be remember when. Uh, Nazis were a thing. Ha ha ha. I'm glad there are no more Nazis. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, because actually being a Nazi is, um, super boring and bad. Uh, so go see a Fringe show instead. Fringe politics, probably bad. Fringe shows, quite fun. Do we want to do a more serious take on things or do we literally just want to say, don't be a Nazi and roll with it because I'm down with just don't be a Nazi and we'll roll on. Yeah, we're good with that. We we went into it hard. We I think there's you know please come out of it if you can. Just try and check your news sources. Blah blah blah. We're good. We're done. We ba- we bathed in the sadness. I'm done. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, just reach out to people. Um. Uh. Make sure that people are having good pieces of information. There was a really good piece of advice. Um. 
on Q&A, which is a sentence I've not said for many years, like there are certain people that aren't going to be convinced. Uh, and this was around vaccines and around um, Pete Evans, who's also a Nazi. It's really a convergence of values. They were saying there are certain people that you're not going to be able to convince, but what you can do is convince people to not take those unconvincible people as their sources of information. You know, you can't convince Pete Evans to not be a an anti-vax Nazi fuckhead, but you can convince people to not listen to Pete Evans, right? So if you notice someone in your life that's getting their information from a bad source, there are lots of really good uh, resources out there. Um, uh, Facebook has let news back on their website, but that doesn't mean you should get your news from Facebook. Um, the ABC has some really, really good coverage. Um, there's, I mean, pretty much like just download a bunch of news apps. I've done that since, uh, it's actually been really good that Facebook temporarily banned news in Australia. By the way, do we want to talk about that? <laughs> I just remembered that that's the thing that happened since we talked last. What the fuck? Facebook just banned all news sources. Um, Facebook and Murdoch slugging it out. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to sort of poke that postulate boil because I was very worried about what goo would come out. So Facebook is now, yep, news can come back onto Facebook. Yep. Does that mean that the Murdochs won? So, (laughs) um. How should I feel about that apart from confused? I'm not... Justin, you're my news source. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Oh, good. My first impulse was correct. Good. There's still negotiations happening is my understanding. Uh, So there's no law that's actually been passed so far. Facebook Mm -hmm. and Google and other providers online that republish news from Australian news sources were going to have to pay those Australian news sources to republish uh, news articles on their site, um, even if they only published the hyperlink to the to the article, they're going to have to pay money. That feels like a weird kind of thing to do for the internet, and part of the reason the Morrison government has been pushing it is because of uh, a little guy you might have heard of called Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch's doing what Murdoch does, which is not using his newspapers uh, to make money but rather for political power. Facebook retaliated by uh, taking all news sources down for I think five days. I don't actually know it time's been a blur, but um, p- proudly uh, we've officially had the ruling come down that Neptune today is not news. Um, <coughs> we were up the entire week. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad we're not news. <laughs> I'm really glad we're not a news source. We are a news commentary show and one of the most successful on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you keep leaving reviews for us, folks. We're doing really well. Um, also, there might be an inquiry into Murdoch and other media ownership in Australia um, in the coming weeks. We might find out some stuff about that as well. So there's a lot of weird news coming out around uh, basically the two big or the three big power players uh, in Australian media, being Google, Facebook, and uh, Murdoch's News Corp. I don't know where it's all gonna, you know, where where it's all gonna fall. Um, please hire me, uh, various uh, journalistic sources. Uh, but also, uh, it would be really nice, I think, for there to be a 
breakdown of media ownership and for that for there to be you know more news sources uh in australia that have an opportunity to obviously i also i guess have a vested interest in this um having started not a news source uh myself but um yeah i don't know it would be good to have more people talking darcy would you like to talk also (laughs) oh yes uh, yes, it's, uh, that's basically confirmed what I've learned so far, which is that question marks, let's see what happens. This could be shady. In the past week on my phone, I have downloaded, you know, nine news, ABC news, BBC news, the guardian, Google news, news.com.au, SBS news, the age. Um, like I, I've just got lots of news sources now, lots of notifications, uh, that, um, you know, tell me who's won the tennis and also useful information. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good time. Um. <laughs> In general, if people are not able to identify misinformation or trust those in the position of power to put forward verified and scientific facts, it can be expected that people will rely on heuristic thinking. So kind of mental shortcuts, have less deep thinking, make their decisions quickly and based on biases or based on emotions because they don't have everything that they need to think about it more deeply. Just quickly to come back to it, what's the problem with the article that you referenced? You always talk about why I didn't like the article as well. Yes, I I think we haven't addressed it directly. What's the problem with that headline? I I think that the article itself points to the importance of things being communicated clearly to the people that do not have the capacity to make clear decisions about risk and benefit, about social distancing. Yeah. do not like the title of the article, Poor Social Distancing Linked to Lower Intelligence. It's based on saying something equivalent to dumb people are bad. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the, the gist of it. It's suggesting that because people have lower intelligence, they're the ones that are, that are doing the bad things that we know that we should all be doing better. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's ableist, it's gross. Uh, and it, it, doesn't speak to the truth of the problem, which is a failure yes. to communicate, not a failure to interpret facts. The The burden is not on the person receiving the information. No, because you look at things, like it isn't even based, they didn't find relationships with education. They didn't find relationships with personality. They found it with this specific type of working memory, which is something that if you are working full-time, cannot afford to take time off, but is in a situation where there is a lot of virus spreading. You have to keep working. You're highly stressed. You might not be doing the best social distancing. Your capacity is taken up. You know, your mental load is occupied by doing your work and and thinking about things that are in your mind, you know, pressing. You might not be doing the best social distancing. I just wanted you to address that one point. I'm I'm sorry for calling you out uh, and, and taking you off script. No, no, I didn't like that. I didn't like the... The article title. It's bad. It's bad. It's it's the moral superiority of it is grating, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get it. I, I get seeing it and thinking, I, I'm a smart person and that's why I'm doing the right thing. This is something that's relevant for a lot of the information you see is not just what is the information that is being shared, but what motivation does this person have for sharing this piece of information? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people that are sharing that article do not necessarily uh, have the most academic of intentions. <laughs> they're, no. they're people that are saying, look at all these 
unintelligent people making poor decisions. Yeah, and I think what I said to you at a different point was, you know, it, it makes me feel weird ways. It makes me feel sad that, that this is the situation. Um, and it also makes me feel kind of happy that, you know, people that are social dis- not social distancing aren't necessarily doing it because they're shit people who hate everyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're doing it because it's, you know, it's a hard situation and working through it in your brain is is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. I guess if the person sharing it is ascribing blame, they're victim blaming, if they're simply saying there are victims here and there are people that have lower ability to problem solve in this way mm. and we need to address it, great reason to share the article. We, we need to target things specifically at these people. Gotcha. Um, and it also highlights the importance of a landscape of factual social media. And of course, this whole situation is important now because people need to be able to understand both what is required of them and not reach a point where they are experiencing debilitating chronic stress. That would be nice. Um, but it's also important as we approach the point where we have a vaccination for coronavirus or a possible vaccination, um, that there is a trust in the health authorities, that there is an expectation of truth from the government, and that there is some sort of management for disinformation. Anyway, anything fun happening? Justin, tell me something nice right now. I'm in the fringe, the vaccine rollout. Um, the What else has happened? Yeah, I mean, we're not a news source, so I guess, you know, maybe we should stop talking about news and start talking about just like, how how you doing, man? <laughs> we're, we're not news. I th- okay, I think the reason is because I... S- classified us on Facebook as science, technology, and engineering because I had the choice, right? I could either say like media platform or science thing. And I figured people who like were finding us on Facebook would know we're a magazine because we say that fairly, you know, but I think that Facebook literally just went anything that's a media source and cut that, but we're not, we're science. We do engineering. Yeah. We're engineers. Bolts, numbers. Pressure. I constructed the Great Railways. <laughs> I remember when you did that alone, and there wasn't any civilian death. Um, oh, it was a it was a real rough weekend, you know. <laughs> Wait, you built all them in a weekend? Yeah, weekend. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes my voice isn't rough and my energy isn't low because of drinking, Justin. Sometimes it's because I built the Great Railroads. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, Wait, did you build all of them in one weekend, or you built each one in a weekend? Do you get what I mean? Yes, I don't have a drinking problem. I have a railway problem, which I fixed. You're welcome. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm. You know, I have a, a well documented love of trains. Um, I appreciate this. I'm glad you've done this for me and my, you know, train train loving people. Justin, real talk. Do you have model trains? You don't have model. Trains, I don't right? have model trains. I th- yeah, I just needed that confirmed. Darcy, all trains are model trains if you think about it. Um, all trains are beautiful. All trains are model citizens, and we should model ourselves after trains. Because Justin, you're a bit of you're a bit of a feral equinologist. <laughs> callback. <laughs> that is a callback to episode three. <laughs> ah yes, <sighs> the, the iron, iron horse. The iron horse. <laughs> well, um, goodness. Uh, speaking of things we do every week and don't forget about it, what do you... What do you think's going to change? You go first. No. Oh, I thought I'd get it out first, so you had to go first. I think dancing's going to become much more exuberant. 
it would be hard for my dancing to become more exuberant. But I think in the general population, sure. Yeah, I, what? Where do you? Where Where would you like to see dancing that is not previously seen dancing? I would much like the song, like to see dancing in the street, just just everywhere, all across around the world, you know. But we can't because there are some places where everybody needs to stay indoors still. What if? Oh, that took a turn. What if everyone dances <laughs> uh, in their rooms? I gotta tell you, there was a fun part at the socially distanced Thursday concert where um, the lovely Jaguar Jones asked everybody very politely, so sweet, such a lovely concert. If you get a chance to see her, definitely go. Such a sweetheart. But she's like, everybody, it's really weird to watch you guys not dancing and just sort of sitting there watching me. Yes, that would have been a very weird experience. There's someone in the audience. I was like, huh. I mean, I love sitting down at concerts. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of the dream. But, but every now and again you're like i need to show my appreciation for this physically that's what you do at a concert and like yeah. a good hearty clap just seems wrong anyway she was like i'm gonna ask you for the last song to put your hands all the way up so you're still still in your own personal bubble yeah don't don't wind your hands like a wine wimes yeah don't do that no sir don't do that <laughs> just straight up <laughs> And then try and figure out your own new set of dance moves just using your arms. And if you can see what I'm doing within the privacy of my own home with my arms right now, it's pretty great. I can't, sadly. We do not do video while we're on this call. That's a little peek <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> it was it was miraculous. I, it looked like my arms were tentacles. And uh, it was it was true. Wacky waving inflatable tune dust, tube dust. <laughs> Damn it, I nearly got it out. Maybe that's what we'll see. Someday. Wacky waving inflatable tune. <laughs> Track. <laughs> no, look, I um. No, am but seriously, just... folks. <laughs> seriously, folks, I have no serious end to this. I just am, am genuinely excited that dance has come back. We're all been a bit touch staffed, a little bit dance staffed. So we'll see how South Australia goes. Hopefully we can keep this streak and keep our dancing going. Because, guys, a bar where it's really loud because it's dance music makes no sense when you can't dance. If you can't communicate to someone what you want through your body dancing, which is how I communicate most of the time, isn't that right, Justin? Honestly, this podcast is weird. Yeah, it's it's actually really weird that we've, you know, it's taken us out usually of our comfort I, zones. Because normally it I is. Get, <laughs> usually I count by stamping my feet like uh, Mr. Ed, you know? <laughs> For those uh, for those of you that don't know at home, Mister Ed was a was a horse that could count by stamping its feet. He was a horse that could talk, of course, of course. An iron horse, of course, of course. <laughs> oh man, imagine robot Mister Ed. No, focusing. So imagine um, robot yes. Mister Ed. That's <laughs> just everyone for a moment. Imagine robot Mister Ed. While I try and think of a thing that's going to change. <laughs> No, I wanted to finish my idea and I got distracted by robot horses. Oh, no. You were talking about bars that are too loud and you need to communicate through dance. Oh, right. Yes, it's impossible. So, and when you're catching up with someone, you want the bar to be quiet and you just sit down and that that's fine. That's lovely. There are bars specifically for that. But a dance bar has no purpose when you can't dance. You just go and get drunk and then you get a burrito and go home. It's very illogical and I did not care for it when I did it. Anyway. Your thing jumped in now. You talk, because I sounded crazy. Well, now it's just going to sound weird, because I was going to say um, we should, every gig should be seated, just at all times. <laughs> well, no, because I kind of 
Like, I do love that so much. <laughs> like, my feet didn't hurt. It was after work, Justin. I was tired. <laughs> the concert went for exactly an hour. And when my friend said that, I was like, oh, thank God. I'm so sleepy. And then I just got to sit down for an hour, hear some really nice music, and then go home. I feel like... I didn't even have to drink to cope with people being that close to me, you know, or getting stepped on. I get stepped on so much in a mosh pit, and unless I'm quite drunk, I get very, very angry about it, and there's no point being a drunk, angry chick in a mosh pit, because that's not really the vibe. Even Screamo music, their vibes in a mosh pit are actually quite nice and, and collegial, you know? Well, there we go. Look, uh, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. We need to have... Uh, lots of dancing, then no dancing, then a healthy mix of dancing and no dancing. This is the way that we resolve things. That's the only time that Hegel is relevant. I thought you were going to just end it with, this is the way, go Mandalorian on this shit. But with the dancing ethos, this I, is the way. I still haven't seen any Mandalorian. You know what? I realized the other day, it fucking saved our Christmas. Yeah. Because it had... All the elements of things that me and my family can agree on. Dad likes westerns. Uh-huh. Uh, Mum and my brother love Star Wars. I love Star Wars, actually. It's very much like Star Wars. <laughs> but, you know, there were strong female characters. Don't talk about how the actress ruined it. She won't crop up again. Don't worry about that. But, you know, it was strong. It was emotive. There was a little dude that I was into. But I like when my brother said, you know, that's... That's what they didn't realize with Star Wars is that they didn't want a strong female character. Girls actually just want like a little baby character that they can go, ooh, so cute. It, it, um, when I ignore that comment, saved Christmas. <laughs> anyway, cut all of that, but uh, yeah, save no, our it's Christmas. A, it's all in there. This is all in. We have to <laughs> have something. minor breakdown at the end. We have to have something that's not Nazis. <laughs> Why is the non-Nazi stuff on me? Uh, probably because I'm not a Nazi. Good point. Justin, Justin. Probably because I prepped all the Nazi stuff because I tried to get it right. Uh, you're implying that I don't do any preparation for this and uh, it's, it's startlingly accurate. I'm not implying, I'm saying. Saying out loud, as I have said repeatedly, on record. It's the goal. It's you're the, you're the free-flowing, spontaneous one and I am the <laughs> strict disciplinarian, uh, <laughs> lord of order and reason. Yeah. Um, you know this about me. Hey, so, um, after my party the other day, I was chatting with someone who came and they were like, oh, I just listened to an episode of your podcast. And I was like, oh, <laughs> which one was it? I really hope it was the bowling one. And she went, yes, it was. I was like, ah, I know I like bail early on it, but I think it's my favorite. Just because we're so sharp and shiny. Like, we got to get this done. <laughs> Well, occasionally we can be sharp and shiny, but, uh, you know, it's overrated. Uh, we, we can do a sharp and shiny one next time, if you like. Do you want to do a sharp and shiny one next time? Well, no, I, I like when we do... Yeah, either, either is fine. I, <laughs> <laughs> all formats are beautiful, Justin. Oh, that's, that's, that's lovely. Well, I am trying to do a little bit of a, you know, an, an interview, a chat with you, a few different things interspersed, change it up, make it feel fresh and cool. Um, I hope that you at home are finding that cool and fun as well. Uh, well, if I really you... thought you meant me. I'm like, yeah, me in my home. <laughs> you meant people that listen to the podcast. I don't think. I mean, Darcy is also a person at home. Um, 
And Darcy, if you or any of our listeners wanted to <laughs> uh, review the podcast, I guess you shouldn't. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it would be... I certainly listen to our podcast. One of the things that I realize uh, we should have been doing all this time is saying, if you like the podcast, um, tell people about it and tell people we exist. <laughs> like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. I'm not, I'm not going for like and subscribe. Although, you, I mean, I don't know how you like a podcast. I think you can subscribe on various platforms. You could leave us a review. Yes, leave us a review. That's the other thing I've heard people say before. Oh, there you go. Well, I, I'm nothing if not derivative. Uh, so <laughs> you can find us wherever you find podcasts. Uh, you can uh, subscribe and leave a review. It really does help. Um, <laughs> how does that? Is that a very good impression of every other podcast under the sun? That's what they say every time. Oh, it was beautiful, bud. It really does. It genuinely, really, bonafide, struth, true blue, dinkum, dinky die does help. Um, oath. Yeah, I just, I just don't know if it's like the tall poppy syndrome, bad juju, like you know how some Australians don't like Australiana because we hate that we're from Australia. Yeah, I don't know if that's like something nasty that I haven't figured out about myself, and that's why I hate the word struth, or if I just hate it, I just, I just hate it so much. Is it because you're a militant atheist and the S stands for gods? <laughs> Um, I'm going to guess no. Just because just that, that's news to you? <laughs> yes. It's a, it's oh, an abbreviation of, oh, God's truth. Originally. it's That's why we have struth. St- oh, struth. I do quite like saying um, Jesus wept now. Because, uh, <laughs> because taking the Lord's name in vain is a no-no. So you can't just say, Jesus, that's wrong. But Jesus wept is like a way around that. And it's like a nice thing. Yeah. yeah. Or um, or I put a really bad accent and say Jesus, which the A apparently takes it for my brain at least. It takes it out of blasphemy territory. Well, similarly, truth actually only has the possessive and truth, so it could you know it could be anyone's truth, really. I think the main thing is that like I was in the country for a very long time and I never heard anyone from the country actually say truth. Oh. I heard a politician say it. What just happened? I think I've lost your audio. Are you still there? Hello? You sound like you're on Skype life support. You're still on the call. Okay, I've just lost your your audio. Did you mute yourself? Hello? Um, hang on. I won't hang up. I'll just message you. Oh, guys, Justin's dropped out, but it seems like a good time if any to drop uh, the podcast. It's going to be really funny if he uses this outro. Oh, crap, my internet dropped out. Do you have anything you want to plug? Yes, I was so keen for this question. <laughs> I, really? <laughs> I've never been asked this in my life. Um, I don't have a Twitter and I don't want you to find me on Instagram. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Please don't find me. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Please check out uh, Patreon. Oh, yeah, check out my Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, no, just Patreon, the platform. Oh, See what cool. you can find on there. Maybe we'll find something good. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast.